Welcome to Centering Centers, a pod network podcast that explores the work of centers of teaching and learning and the vision and insights of educational developers in higher education. The pod network is North America's largest educational development community, supporting members' professional learning through meaningful and sustained interaction. This podcast is an initiative led by the Digital Resources and Innovation Committee of POD. To get more involved in the DRI committee or this podcast, just send us an email at dri at podnetwork.org. Hi, this is Lindsay Dukopoulos. I am the Associate Director for Educational Development at Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama, co-chair of the Pod Network's DRI Committee, and now co-host of this podcast. In this season of Centering Centers, we are speaking with educational developers from around the world in an effort to broaden perspectives, strengthen connections, and cultivate relationships across the global pod network. In today's episode, I'm excited to share my conversation with Stephanie Dosher, Director of the Office of Collaborative Online International Learning, or COIL, at Florida International University, and Eva Hogue, who works as Educational Advisor for Internationalization of the Curriculum and COIL in the Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences. We will talk about their leadership of COIL programs at their respective institutions, the challenges and opportunities of recruiting and developing faculty to participate, as well as approaches for assessing impacts of the program. And they will share the unique cultural experiences and motivations that brought them together and sustain them as leaders and as professional collaborators in this effort to, as Stephanie eloquently puts it, connect faculty and students across the borders of difference. Okay. So I am so excited to speak with our guest today, Stephanie Dosher from Florida International University and Ava Hogg from, Ava, can you tell me where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. From the Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences in the Netherlands. And I'm going to ask them to just introduce themselves with a little bit more detail than that one and a little bit about their centers. And then we're going to talk about a particular program that they collaborate on. So Stephanie, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, my name is Stephanie Dosher, and I currently serve as the director of Florida International University's Office of Collaborative Online International Learning, which is uh, referred to as FIU COIL is the acronym. Uh, previously, I was director of the university's Global Learning for Global Citizenship Curriculum Internationalization Initiative. And Ava, will you tell us a little bit about your center? Yeah, luckily it's, it doesn't require that many words. Um, <laughs> I'm with the Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences and I, uh, my role is described as the educational advisor for internationalization of the curriculum and uh, our online collaboration, COIL. And I'm with the Teaching and Learning Center. And how big is your institution? Ava? Uh, so my university has around 46,000 students um, and about seven schools. 
and the Faculty of Business, uh, which uh, where I'm closest connected to because they do most online or international collaboration, has around 15,000 students. Wow. Okay. So pretty big. Yeah. Okay, great. So I'm going to invite you all to tell us a little bit about the, the COIL program that you all have collaborated on. And our focus with this chapter of our, our podcast episodes is really on the collaboration between international centers for teaching and learning. How does it impact both of you from your perspectives, the learners, the faculty you serve? Um, but if you would, just tell us a little bit about what COIL is and how it got started. Sure, um, I'll take that. This is Stephanie. So COIL at its most popular form is um, an, an instructional intervention to internationalize the curriculum. It was innovated at the State University of New York, the COIL Center, which was directed by John Rubin. And COIL, again, in its most popular form, involves two teachers, two professors, who are located in two separate institutions embedded in two different countries, often two different continents, who are working with two groups of students. Those could be undergraduate students, graduate students. They, may be, they might be teaching the same content in the same discipline, or they could be teaching in different disciplines. But these professors get together and they find a place in their courses where there's an overlap, where there is a topic or a question or a project that would be better served through collaborative exploration of that question or topic or collaborative construction of that project on the part of the students. So it's all about peer-to-peer -peer collaboration between the faculty and peer-to-peer -peer collaboration amongst the students, usually in small groups. And this can happen, um, this information exchange and knowledge production can happen using one language or multiple languages. It involves individual and partnered and group work. It involves synchronous communication like we're doing right now or asynchronous work. And it usually uses technology that is the kind of common technology that we use in our for communication and, product and knowledge production, Google Docs, or maybe a Padlet or Zoom or Teams. Um, but the technology is um, often does not involve a learning management system because it's really about information and exchange and knowledge production. And, and communication and collaboration. Totally. It's all about that dialogue. It's exchange. Totally. We're about transformation, not just education. Yeah. And, and, um, and both intercultural and disciplinary learning outcomes. It's usually embedded within a portion of the professor's courses, like four to eight weeks long. That sounds like a really high, potentially high impact learning experience when it's done well. That's, yeah, when, when it's done well, exactly. So the designing it does require 
some work or some skills. And that's why um, Stephanie and I will work together on the professional development part, because uh, as with blended learning during the pandemic, we saw this rapid uptake of you know all the blended learning uh, uh, skills that people need to acquire in order to do it because in the beginning we you know a lot of academics uh, tried to teach online as they would in person um, and um, all the blended learning specialists well, this is what i was talking about all along uh, so we learned that lesson and the same applies i think to coil so thinking about how to embed an international collaboration an experiential a type of learning into your existing curriculum requires specific design uh, work and skills. Uh, so that's what we do in our professional development course. Are you also responsible for recruiting the faculty to participate? And what is oh, yes. what does that process look like from the educational developer side of things? That is, it's um, it's sometimes uh, one of the hardest parts of, of our work. Um, everybody's overwhelmed uh, there's a lot of things are important um often first of all you need to tell people about the possibilities that it exists um and what it's called um, and what works in my amsterdam context is nobody's really looking for something extra to do but they do have certain questions that they don't know how to address in their regular way of teaching and one of some of those topics are uh, relate to sustainability, digitalization, um, how to embed diverse uh, diversity and inclusion into our curriculum. And so these are important topics. And when they have questions like, how could I connect my curriculum to the sustainable development goals? That's when I talk to faculty about COIL or international collaboration. Um, so that works in my context, but I don't know, Stephanie has uh, maybe different approaches. In, in my context, um, US Research One, um, in my particular institution, what really works is meeting faculty where they are and asking, what are your goals? What, what, what is it that you would like to achieve? Um, as an example, we have a, a recently, this was last year, a, a professor of wind engineering and she wanted to get a National Science Foundation career grant. And the way she thought about blending the curriculum and the pure science, which is foundational to um, career grants, it was through COIL. And wouldn't you know, she got that career grant um, and they called out this innovative way of involving students and faculty together in pure science research, um, both online and then through mobility, uh, being able to do field research and, and using resources at our partner institution, the University of Genoa. So whether it's uh, getting a grant or it's uh, incorporating research into your course, um wanting to prepare students for a mobility or recruit students for mobility uh the university being really interested in uh becoming more known to international students it, it, there's a whole all of it's on our website right like there's a lot of research about the positive ripple effects of coil so it's about meeting people where they are 
And if I may add something to that, Lizzie, also because you, you talked about faculty, how to engage faculty, so that in a way it's a bottom-up approach. Um, it's also important to consider the top-down. Um, so to connect COIL or international collaboration or even internationalization of the curriculum to university policies and strategies. Um, so to, why it is important, why they, why it adds value to um, to the curriculum, why it adds value to the institution as a whole, um, to our graduates, and or to you know work life uh, that where our graduates are going to be employed. So I think that top down and bottom up they need to meet. It's not just about recruiting faculty; it's also about informing leadership. Absolutely. So with that. Um, you know, kind of the importance of that piece of it. I'm curious, how do you assess the impact of this program for students, but also for the faculty who participate? I mean, an NSF career grant is a pretty good, pretty good outcome, but, you know, certainly can't be expected for every single faculty. So how do you assess it? And how do you use that assessment to tell the story to the leaders or to the faculty you're trying to recruit? I'll take that one. Um, sure. So. Ava and I both have two parts of our jobs. One of them is to recruit the faculty within our own institutions and match them to partners abroad and train them through our professional development workshop in a partnered workshop, okay? Um, and then to sustain the coils, right? We have that responsibility within our own institution. Then we also, um, collaborate to provide professional development and training to other universities and colleges around the world. In, we do it in English and in Spanish. And um, this workshop that is the core of the work that we do, it's called a COIL design workshop. It involves the faculty partners in a cohort experience. And the, the professional development experience itself is a COIL in all aspects, from the use of the tools to the way we design the, our meetings, um, every aspect of it. And the three main components of COIL design are breaking the ice, getting to know your partner, the collaborative task, which in this case of the, of the workshop is the COIL module plan. That is the number one way we assess the impact of the workshop. Did the professor partners actually produce a feasible, high quality plan for their students? And then the second piece, which is also the third component of COIL design, is reflection. So we have a, um, a we use a Qualtrics form that has both Likert scale items and open-ended reflection. And um, the number one most common response our faculty have about the workshop is that what they learn in it is applicable to all of their teaching and learning that they're designing, whether it is face-to-face, -face, whether it is online, hybrid, whether it is coiled or not coiled, because the it's not a dirty secret, but it's, a, it's not even a secret, really, is that the fundamentals of coil design are just the fundamentals of good teaching and learning design in any situation. 
And so you've got to have a high quality professional development product and the word gets out about that. And that is very, uh, the strong way to go back to the, to the recruitment piece. Dave, I want you to jump in here too, but I am going to ask at the end, how do faculty or developers who want to support faculty connect them with you to do that? But we'll save that for the end, the call to action. Ava, <laughs> what would you say to that question about assessment and then telling the story to the, the stakeholders that you're trying to um, you know, change and lead in some way? I think an interesting aspect of that question is that uh, how do we measure success uh, of internationalization? Very often the sort of traditional ways of measuring or assessing have been numbers of students that have gone abroad and the numbers of credits that they have gotten abroad. Um, internationalization of the curriculum or internationalization at home requires a new kind of thinking about how do we measure success? And what Stephanie was talking about, which is so impactful, um, that academics are transformed, the way they look at curriculum, how they engage with teaching and learning is transformed. The ripple effect, not just in that particular COIL project within their course, but potentially in other courses, that is very hard to measure. So what we're trying to do, um, one thing is we can measure, we can count how many academics have have developed a COIL project and have implemented it, how many students have been um, have been engaging uh, in, in an international project, we can encourage academics to, in either in their reflection or in, in other outcomes, to show um, what they have learned and how they have changed. But every, because it's part of the curriculum, it's embedded into the curriculum, it depends very much on the learning outcomes that, uh, that a faculty member would describe for their course. Uh, so sometimes it's harder to measure, but, and sometimes it's hard to measure immediately after the course. Sometimes students come back to me years later and say, remember that project I did? Now I get it. Uh, because we're, we're, we're sort of inviting in difference. We're inviting in different perspectives. And it, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to see what the effect is, what the gains are. So I think it's also how, how do we measure, how do we count uh, what, what constitutes the success? But when we see the effect how, how our academics start and how how they leave. And we, we start our courses um, at the workshop. We start with a question on, in a, we use a menti, a mentimeter, mm -hmm. how they're feeling right now uh, about this journey that they start on. And then at the very end, we ask them to write another word and we take a picture with that um, to capture that, that, that little transformation in four weeks is already, they go from hesitant, I think I'm excited, but I don't know, to confident, yes, I can do this, let's go, you know. So that to me is also a way of evaluating success, but sometimes it needs to be recognized by leadership or our institutions. Absolutely. So Stephanie shared the story of the faculty member from Wind Engineering. Do you have any stories of success from the faculty that have gone through the program on your end, Eva? Yeah, I think in the European or at least in the Dutch context, um, uh, our career paths are slightly different. It's it's not so we tenure track and all of that doesn't really exist. We get tenure after just three years being within an institution. So there's a lot less pressure to 
to produce um, uh, and to publish uh, in, in Dutch universities, which is great. So the focus is much more on personal and professional development. I have, um, uh, for example, a, a colleague who uh, teaches international marketing, and he used to teach that for years. And he was introduced to COIL, and he did one of his first projects was with Mexico, the second one with South Africa. And as he was learning more about how to develop these projects and the effect that he that it had this type of collaboration on his students, he said to me, actually, what I want my students to learn is about the privilege of, of growing up and, and being able to study in a north a country in the European North, and that they're so unaware of this privilege. So, but you know, that's never part of the formal curriculum in a business program. But I think it's important for them to learn. So he could he could uh, use coil to teach um almost on a meta level you know to uh, instill some other values in students he improved his skills as an academic improved because he got to sort of benchmark how he taught um and and how he engaged with learning with different colleagues from around the world so you see then he, he did an extra workshops he did a series of workshops on international your internationalizing your curriculum and he's now one of our ambassadors he's one of our success stories he is moroccan himself so he's a child of, of immigrants and um he thinks it's very important to for students to be more aware of difference and of different perspectives and to be more tolerant and open-minded and you know now he has found a way to do that well, he's teaching international marketing. Um, so that would be an example maybe on our end. That's great. I bet there's a lot of really inspirational stories if we could dig into that. Um, I'm curious, you know, as educational developers, when we're thinking about, you know, my next question is why isn't everybody doing this? So what are the, what are the logistics involved for administrating this program? Seems like getting your faculty from your own institution excited and engaged is one challenge, but then finding the partners in the different areas of the world. How does that work? And you know, what, what aspect of um, beyond the development to prepare the courses, what happens after that once the courses get launched in terms of your work supporting the program? Yeah, do you, you want me to jump in on that one, Ava? Yeah, go. Okay, I, all right, I'm gonna give this kind of broad swaths because different institutions handle this in, in very different ways. So any institution that is serious about incorporating COIL and international collaboration of teaching um, needs to have, at the beginning, someone who is responsible for this work, at least part-time, um, but to really be serious, you gotta have a full-time COIL coordinator. Um, and this is a, our prediction, Eva and I predict, and we have some colleagues that, that just like the role of the senior international officer was new and we didn't know what the competencies were even of that role just 20 years ago, um, the role of the COIL coordinator is going to be the new professional role in institutions, um, whether it's housed in like mine in the global office or in like Ava's case in her center for teaching and learning someone who is responsible for this work because it involves international relations which you just implied which is usually the work of the international office people that do 
mobility and international partnerships. It involves educational development, curriculum, design, professional development, which is what we're talking about, and educational technology, but not in the traditional way we think of instructional design, which is usually about information delivery and accountability and service. This is about collaboration and lots of international um, knowledge that instructional designers may not necessarily have. So the role involves all of those aspects and and so in order to have a program you've got to either have an individual who has all those chops which is like rare renaissance <laughs> you <know>? man yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we can grow into that role and that's what we all are doing like i started in in educational development and then moved into in educational technology and international relations you i know. started for in uh I started as a as faculty um, uh, that was teaching internationally, but um, really grew into the, the educational development. And from there, more expertise in uh, international, international relations. Actually, what I was thinking also when I was listening to you, Stephanie, it, is, it requires an ecosystem or maybe exactly. an e e-coil system. Uh, it's a new way of thinking, <laughs> connecting <laughs> connecting different stakeholders. And very often, it's not one person that has all of these skills, but it's a, just like we're asking a, a faculty to develop something that's truly collaborative. I think we need to look at how we internationalize our institutions also as something collaborative, where we bring in different expertise uh, and it all has value you know um and it's sometimes it can seem like it's a competition and that coil is threatening traditional internationalization or, or mobility i think they should actually um, coexist i think they both strengthen one another sometimes there's more interest for mobility because there was uh, virtual exchange before that so but to to foster these ecosystems i think that's our our next challenge Absolutely. So, so it's going to start somewhere. And if you have, if you are close to the faculty because you're in a center for teaching and learning, but you don't know where to find international partners, you take a walk over to the international office and you ask those folks, or maybe the international office within a certain college or department. Um, if you're starting in the international office, and you want to um, move in this direction, you got to take a walk over to instructional technology and your educational development office to get to the faculty and talk to them in this new way. But you know, this is this is this is the thing that's so incredible about this work is that ostensibly it's all about the students, and it is. But as we've already touched on, it is equally transformational for faculty that they are having this intercultural experience, this comparative international education experience. And it is transformative to the staff that are supporting this. Because one way or the other, you're either going to work with people that you normally don't work with, or you're going to build some chops that you did not have before in order to support these faculty and students. So it starts with the drive 
and then putting it together. Um, and I'll, I'll just say that, that um, that's some of the work that Ava and I are doing is helping to develop uh, coiled coordinators. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. skills and competencies needed to do this because um, Stephanie and I had sort of to learn on the job. Uh, but we feel uh, just like uh, coil practitioners, um, you know, when, when we first started doing, when I, I started as developing coil projects for my own students, um, and I learned from others, but there wasn't really professional development as such. And so why you know, have everybody reinvent the wheel? And especially if these new roles are, are developing or as people are assuming um, different responsibilities, maybe closer related to coordinating this, this virtual exchange or coil effort in our institutions. If, if there's a community out there and that you can learn from, I think that's, um, for us, it's very much our next step in, in this professional development. Absolutely. That's so great. You can hear the passion when you guys are speaking about this program. So I'm going to ask you, what is the, the personal mission or value or motivation or strength that you personally are bringing to this work? What do you, what sustains you about it? How does it fit with your overall kind of leadership trajectory in your institution? Well, th thank you for the question. I love that question because I, I do think it's, it takes a certain kind of madness to do this um, and to do it as long as we have uh, and with as much passion and drive. For me, it started um, very early on. Um, my upbringing, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of expats, so I consider myself a third culture kid. Um, moving in and out of cultures to me has always been normal. Uh, but then I, I discovered growing up that it wasn't necessarily the case for others. And I do feel in, in, in Amsterdam, we have huge diversity. We have many, many cultures coexisting, not always peacefully, um, uh, and especially not learning from each other as much. So I feel personally very driven to help people uh, build bridges, understand each other better. It has enriched my life. And I think it can enrich other people's lives. I also think an intercultural dialogue or understand, for me, it starts with understanding yourself. So being just aware and seeing more nuance around you because you see more difference and similarities with people you might not have expected it. It, it helps you engage with the world in a more mindful and purposeful way. So that is maybe my inner hippie uh, coming out, but I do believe that you know a better world starts with yourself. I also, as a as a faculty member, as an educator, I believe that working internationally with others it it makes you it helps you become a better professional because it uncovers um, what we call the hidden curriculum, a lot of unconscious bias about what is good teaching, what is good learning. It's by collaborating with others that you have this mirror that confronts you with. Why do I think that this is good or this is normal? This is how we assess and, and this is you know, how we give instructions. And even if it's a good way to do it, just asking yourselves these questions, but you, you, we forget to ask ourselves. So it's by engaging with somebody who looks at things differently that we become better professionals ourselves. So it has enriched me professionally. And it, I think it helps me, um, it gives others tools to, to make a little bit more sense of the complexity of the world around us. So that's, you know, what drives me to this day. But Stephanie, what would you say to that? 
Well, um, what drives you certainly, I share those. I was not a third culture kid though. I actually, 23 and me says that I am totally inbred. <laughs> I am 100% Ashkenazi, <laughs> right? Like 100%, not 99.82 or whatever, but 100. So I'm, I did not grow up in a diverse family. My identity is very homogenous in that way. I never studied abroad in university. I really only traveled abroad very little. So I come from a very different personal background than, than Ava does. Um, but for me, this work, um, it helps stave off existential dread um, and, 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 and angst. Um, uh, I'm deeply concerned about climate change. I've always been as a person, um, I worry about the world and, um, and this work makes me feel like I'm of use, that I have a purpose. And um, I, you know, I, I, I'm nearly 56 and, and this is the work I'll do for the rest of my career. I, I, I just will not go back to any, what any, it, this is the work that I will do forever is, is um, connecting faculty and students across the borders of difference, cultural, disciplinary, um, geographic, and, um, and um, Ava really likes this uh, quote that we end our first, the first Zoom session of our coil design workshops with. We always end with a, a, a quotation. And um, this one is, it says, if if we don't learn to think differently, then the world will always stay the same. So it's, it just is the ultimate think different methodology for think different that, that I've come across. So I'm here to stay. Every time you guys speak, I'm like, well, maybe this is the soundbite that'll turn into the the title of this episode, but there's so many now, but I love that connecting faculty and students across the borders of difference. Yes. I think that'll be the title here. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really inspiring to hear you all talk about this. Is there anything else about this program, about the administration or about the value to you as professionals in this development kind of area that you think would be important to share out with other folks considering doing this or well, you gotta do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna say that no, in, no, let me put it in a positive way. Any institution that is not, any, every institution that wants to reach their mission, institution of higher education in the 21st century has to be doing and supporting somehow COIL. Why? Because the mission of higher education is to exchange and produce knowledge, period. That's, that's what we do, whether we're a research one university, a, a community college, that's to do that. The problems, the questions, the challenges that we face in our community, in our local realities, 
um, are influenced by things that are happening way beyond the borders of our community. And the things that happen in our community influence things that are happening way beyond the borders of our community. So any institution that wants to exchange and produce knowledge about these topics, whether it's ostensibly local or very, very disciplinary, you know, construction management or, you know, how or, or the field research um, that we do, no matter how narrow we think it is, it's within a global, it's embedded within the world. And so we have to be connecting with institutions around the world because we don't know everything, <laughs> right? It's, um, the world is too complex for us to understand much less solve by ourselves. And so we have to support faculty and students and their abilities to work with others and to use technology to do that. Yeah. Yeah, equip them to, you know, with the tools and the mindsets. So the knowledge, the skills and the attitudes to deal with the complexity of the world around us. And, and I think uh, the, the European Commission for Education, uh, they, they say their goals um, for education is to, uh, you know, we need to commit to, to help students thrive. Uh, I like that word thrive, because I think in, in a world that is so rapidly changing, how can we best help them? How can we best serve these students to, you know, do better, to tackle these wicked or very complex problems uh, that, that they're facing? Um, so in, in Europe, obviously, um, citizenship uh, and being a united front against, well, right now, there's a lot going on in Europe, of course. Um, and unfortunately, it has taken this to really unite, to pull everything together with Brexit. And there's a lot of uh, disengagement from young people, also from politics and, and from um, from Europe, for example. And, but we see that all, all over the world. And I think active citizenship and helping students have the tools, equip them to thrive in tomorrow's society. Um, we need to start now. We need to, we need to start yesterday. But, but I think also from the perspective of faculty, um, it, Stephanie used the word, we have to quite a lot, but they have to do a lot. I get that. There is so much uh, being thrown at, at faculty. Um, and I think this is, sometimes people think it's more complicated than it really is. And to learn about it with a group and um, to learn with each other in a safe space um, and to sort of mimic the experience or mirror the experience that students might have Sets, helps prepare them to do this not just once but many times over um, and I really feel that the, that the word that Stephanie used transformational it is also empowering besides being transformation I think it's really empowering if you know like the, the best compliments academics give me after the course is oh I thought it was really difficult but I, I can do this so yes you can and you should and I hope you will many many times Love that. Well, thank you both so much for telling us about, I think, you know, most of us are, are pretty much ready to, to jump on board. So if, <laughs> if we are, how do we get in touch with you? How do we get involved with this program or send faculty that we work with either internationally or within our own local context to, to get involved with this, this project? So people can always connect with me, of course, through LinkedIn, for example, and my last name is very difficult, but uh, 
Eva H A U G Hauk um, at, at Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences. But I think the program you're referring to, Stephanie, I'll hand over to you because the workshop, of course, is what's interesting to mention here. Well, we do um, at FIU, I mentioned earlier, we do offer um, on a contract basis, we work with institutions that want to get um, a, a COIL program off the ground. Um, these institutions are anywhere in the world um, of any type. Um, and what we often do is help do introduction sessions for faculty, for staff, for administrators. We, Ava has an amazing mind, uh, it's called a COIL mindset workshop, which is if you just want to work with the faculty on your campus to get them prepared to do this type of work a little bit more deeper than an introduction, but not the partnered work yet. Um, and then we have our, our, our bread and butter, which is the COIL design workshop. So institutions will say, we want to sponsor six of our faculty and six international partners, and we'll send um, also a staff or two member to, um, to learn their, the, these design fundamentals and actually de design their COIL uh, module plan together. And, and you, can, you can get in touch with us at COIL at FIU.edu. Um, but uh, Eva and I will also share a couple of other global uh, opportunities. First of all, the International Virtual Exchange Conference, which happens in around October of each year. It's, a, it's the product of a consortium of institutions that work on this together. It will be at uh, Cardinal Herrera University in Valencia, Spain this year, but a hybrid version. So there's an in-person and an online component. So definitely get yourself, get thee to IVEC. Um, and uh, I'm super excited to say that there will be the first book, The Guide to COIL Virtual Exchange. COIL is a form of virtual exchange um, that will come out in early September. And it will be published by Stylus. And it is truly a global collaboration. There are four uh, editors that worked on it together. And I don't even, I couldn't even imagine. I don't even know how many people um, contributed to it, but it is an extraordinary text coming out. There's a Latin American COIL network. There is uni collaboration in uh, the EU. There are, um, uh, and little bits of COIL and virtual exchange that you'll see in other international uh, workshops. But those are some big resources we want to share. Oh, there's also one more that's really, really, really important called coilconnect.org. This is an initiative of John Rubin. It is a nonprofit. It is a space where you can go and register your institution as an institution that has a COIL program. And you can take part in surveys of the field. And you can also locate the other institutions around the world that are COILing. Great. And we will put links to all of these resources in the show notes so folks can, can connect with you there if you missed any of those opportunities. There's, There's one more big yes. one. I have to mention this one. 
the Stevens Initiative. <laughs> um, this is an this is an organization that focuses on the U.S. and uh, Middle East and North Africa collaborations, but they're serving the entire field of virtual exchange, and you can find amazing resources there too. Wonderful. Did I forget any, Ava? <laughs> oh, uh, no. I, well, you know, I think that these are the big ones. These are the big ones, okay. These are the big ones. <laughs> it's enough to get started with, at least. Yeah, exactly. wanting exactly. to explore a little more. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for this conversation, for sharing what you're doing. This sounds like really important, amazing work. I'm going to see if I can get Auburn up and going with some kind of program. Um, it's really inspirational. So thank, thank you both. And um, best of luck. Thank you. Thank you.